Good evening. Good to see everybody. Been a, been a while since I've spoken on Wednesday nights. So I'm used to more closer. <laughs> uh, like she said, Pastor Chad called me and asked me if I would fill in for him on this. And we, we want to continue, like he said, to remember them in prayer. And uh, I look at it as being an honor and a privilege to be able to stand in this pulpit and in his place, you know. So I'm going to be talking to you tonight about a subject that's dear to my heart and should be dear to every Christian in the world's heart, and that's the blood. We're talking about the blood. In 1969, there was a new version of the Bible that was published. And it was called The Good News for Modern Man. And in its second edition, the title was changed to Today's English Version. And if anybody has a copy of this in their library, throw it away. (laughs) Throw it away. And we'll tell you why. The reason to, to print this book, this, this version of the Bible, was because it was by people who were offended by the blood. And they wanted every reference of the blood out of it. And here's the scary part. There was 700,000 copies of it printed. 700,000 copies of it. Here's an example. This, this I know you're going to have this one to put on the, on, up on the screen, but here, here's an example of what I'm talking about. Uh, the King James Version, Ephesians 1 and 7 says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. In the TEV, the, 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 the today's English version of it, it says, for by, the death, for by the death of Christ we are set free and our sins are forgiven. That sounds good. But the only thing is they omitted the blood. And they've omitted every reference to the blood in, in these scriptures. And the blood is the thread that runs through the entire Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, through every book of the Bible, you have something about the blood. It's the binding, the binding that holds this book together is the blood. And the same thing is, is they didn't really have to worry about printing copies of it because men started preaching without preaching about the blood anyway. Charles Spurgeon said, Atonement by the blood of Jesus is not an arm of Christianity. It is the heart of it. It's the very heart of Christianity. So like I said, men started preaching and they would preach, and I hope it's nobody in the assembly of God, but they started preaching Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday, week after week, month after month, without ever referring to the blood in any of their sermons. And people who've never read the other versions of the Bible wouldn't know the difference. But they were preaching without preaching the blood. A sermon that's preached without the blood is not just a watered-down gospel. It's not the gospel at all. For without the blood, you don't have the gospel. 
And then, if you go to a contemporary Christian station on their, on their website, and if you're able to look down the playlist of their, of their songs today, you'll be hard-pressed to find anything that has the blood in the title. And when I came up in Pentecost, there wasn't a Sunday went by that we didn't sing a song about the blood. We had songs like, there's power in the blood. Nothing but the blood. The blood will never lose its power. Oh, the blood of Jesus. And are you washed in the blood? So here, that was my introduction. Here's, here's my, my scripture text. Hebrews 9 and 22. And almost all things are by the blood purged. Almost all things by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood, there is no remission. Without the blood, there's no remission or no forgiveness without the blood. And I understand a little bit about this purge. When I used to work at U.S. Pipe, that's where I worked before I went to work for Mercedes, the last job I had there was I ran the kneeling ovens. And that's the ovens that they put the pipe in after they make them to heat treat them. And I would have to come in on Sunday night after the oven had sat there all weekend, empty, and without any heat in it. And before I could light it up for the, for the next week's work, I would have to purge the lines. The lines had to be cleaned. So I'd have to brush, flush gas through it to purge the lines. And this is what the blood does. It, it purges us. It cleanses us. And without the blood, there's no remission for sin. I want to listen, listen to the way the Amplified Bible says it, Hebrews 9 and 22. In fact, under the law, almost everything is purified by means of the blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is neither release from sin or its guilt, nor the remission due and merit punishment of sin. So without the blood... We're not even free from the punishment of sin. It all has to be by the blood. There was another song that was sang like back in the 80s called Precious Blood. Y'all know that song, Precious Blood. And the first line of that song says, So many lambs, for so many years, so many lambs were offered up. But the blood of the lamb could never fill that bitter cup. That bitter cup. When they would sacrifice the lambs in, the old, in, in, in biblical times at the temple, when they would kill the lamb, they would let its blood run into a cup, a brass cup. And then they would give it to the high priest, and the high priest would take that blood through the veil into the Holy of the Holies, and he would take a hyssop because man's fingers couldn't touch the blood. It would be unpure if he touched it. So they had to take a hyssop, which is a branch of a, of a bush, and they would sprinkle. He would go all around it till that cup was empty, sprinkling it on, it on the mercy seat. Now here's something that's interesting. According to Josephus, the great Jewish historian, on one year on Passover, one Passover, one day. 256,500 lambs were sacrificed on Passover. 
256,500 lamps in one day. That means that two, over 256,000 times they filled that cup with blood. Over 256,000 times the priest carry, went through that veil into the Holy of Holies. 256,000 times over, he sprinkled blood all over the mercy seat. That mercy seat had to be, had to be drenched with blood. It had to be just covered with blood. And here's something. And I don't know why science did this. They did a, they, for some reason, they, they was impressed to do a test. They took a red lamp, a red light, and shined it on gold, which the mercy seat was overladen with gold. And it gave the impression of a rainbow. It had rainbow colors. So what is a rainbow? pastor preached on it not too long ago. It's a promise. And only the high priest saw this because the lights of the lamps in the Holy of Holies, the seven light sticks, lamp sticks, shone on it, and, they, and over that covering of blood, they would see this rainbow effect. And only the high priest saw this. But the mercy seat was just an earthly example of the real mercy seat in heaven, God's throne. And when John saw the vision of, of, of God's throne in, in heaven, he saw this, Revelation 4, 2 and 3. And immediately... I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne, and he that sat on it was, was to look upon like jasper and a sardin stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. John saw what the high priest saw, but he saw it in true and on the real mercy seat. And we only see half of the rainbow. He saw the whole thing. He said it was a round throne of God. So we only get half of what exactly what God's promises is, what it's like. So, so here's the question. Why did it have to be blood? Why couldn't God have chose something else as, as to, to, for the remission of sin? Why couldn't we have offered something else? Why couldn't we have offered you know, fruits and vegetables or, or whatever, you know? Why did it have to be blood? Remember we said in the, in the Amplified Version that we would not, we would not even uh, escape the punishment of sin if it wasn't for the blood applied? The punishment of sin is what? Death. Death. Romans two, uh, 6 and 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So something had to die because that's the wages of sin and God couldn't go against his word. Wages of sin is death. And this all started back in the garden when God created Adam. And he gave him all the trees. He said, you can eat of any tree in the garden. I'm going to provide everything for you. And he gave him one little commandment. One commandment. And he couldn't keep that. You know, it's like he had one job, 
You ever seen them on Facebook page, people posting pictures that says, show some uh, hamburger buns and they got hot dog buns written on top of it and it says they had one job? You know, he had one job and he couldn't do that. But notice, Adam, Eve wasn't even conceived or created yet. So God gave the commandment to Adam. And that's why it was through Adam that sin came. Not taking you ladies off the hook. I mean, you helped. You know, but, <laughs> but, but, but it, it was Adam that the sin, the sin came through. <laughs> but so, when, when, he, when he came to the garden, God didn't call out to Eve. He called out to Adam. He said, where are you? And Adam said, we... We weren't hidden because we were naked. We we were ashamed to be. We, you know, he, he called out to Adam. He wanted Adam to admit that he had done it because it was through Adam that the commandment was given. And you know, of course, you know, y'all, y'all know the story. You know, Adam blamed Eve, and Eve blamed the serpent, and the serpent didn't have a leg to stand on. You know, <laughs> you know, and and and, and, you know, and blame farther than that. Adam blamed God. He said, it was that woman that you gave me. <laughs> and man's been blaming their spouses and God for the things ever since. You know? But he had to cover their sin. He had to cover their shame. So he said that God made animal skins to cover them. Now we say, well, you know, God could have just snapped his finger and created animal skins. But no, that would have gone against his word. There had to be a punishment for sin. Something had to die. Blood had to be spilt. So the first sin created the first blood to be spilled. And that covered their shame. That covered their sins. So it started at the beginning of the Bible and went, and went all the way through. But here's something else. Not only did it have to just cover it, but it had to be, a, be blood because life is in the blood. It's the blood that gives life. Leviticus 17.11 says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that maketh an atonement for your souls. The life is in the blood. And the thing that jumped out at me, and I taught similar, something similar to this in Sunday school, and, uh, and it did the same thing that day. It jumped out at me. This, 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 this phrase, I have given it to you. I have given it to you. God is saying, I've given this blood for you given it for you so that you can have an atonement so that you can be so you can be forgiven I gave it to you and he wasn't really talking about the lambs he was talking about Jesus Christ he gave Jesus Christ in his blood for us that we can have an atonement but it had to be a spotless lamb a spot without blemish Exodus 12 and 15 your lamb shall be without blemish a male of the first year, he shall take it out 
from the sheep and from the goats. And if this don't describe Jesus, I don't know what it does. Jesus was a male. He was the firstborn. And he was spotless. He was without blemish, without sin. That blemish and sin meant that, that it was, was a uh, representation of, of it being without sin. And this was Jesus. And this was in the law. So he had to be born, born, he had to be without sin. And Jesus was born without sin. When the angel appeared to Mary in Luke 1 and 34, it says, The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and for that reason the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. I don't know if y'all caught that, but it said, God, the angel said, for that reason, he'll be called the Son of God, that he is overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. That means that man's sin, man's blood was diseased. Man's blood was diseased by a disease called sin. And it was passed from generation to generation to generation all the earth. Because we're going to find out that the blood line comes from the Father. So man's bloodline wasn't even in Jesus. It was holy, pure. It was God's. This is this. This is from a medical journal. And they started doing researching whenever they started talking about abortion. And, they, and people talk about you know, when does life start? Does it start at the fetus? Does it start? And they started doing researching. And this was in a medical journal and it was, called, it was on a, on a an article called The Seed of a Woman. It says, The bloodline is traced through the male because only the blood of the father fills the circulatory system of the fetus. Only the father's blood enters the fetus. So the bloodline comes from the father. And that's why we find all the, in, in, in all the numbers and the begets. It's father begets son beget son, beget son, beget, you know, because the bloodline is passed down through the father. That's why David had to be uh, born of the, the, the seed of, I mean, why Jesus had to be born of the house of David. He had to be a son of David to fulfill the prophecy about the Messiah. It had to be that bloodline. So the bloodline comes from the father. And so Jesus was born without sin because his father didn't carry that disease of sin because his father was God. Also, here's something else interesting. Not only does the bloodline come from the father, but both the male and the female contribute to the DNA of the child. And they didn't even know about DNA back in biblical times. But that means that if the bloodline came from the father and the, and the mother is part of the DNA, then Jesus could truly be, as the Bible says, fully God and fully man. Genesis 4, 4 and 5. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sonship. So the Bible said what science says now, that God was, that he was fully God and he was fully man. But not only 
did the lamb have to be born spotless? By the way, I have something I forgot to tell you. When, when, the, when the, the lambs were born out in the field and one come out that was spotless, the shepherds would take it and would wrap cloth around it so that it wouldn't bruise itself or do anything to cause itself to not be spotless. You know, so it wouldn't, wouldn't harm, harm to do anything. So there'd be no blemishes or no more. And they would wrap it with these cloths. And that was called swaddling. And when Jesus was born, the angel said, This shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now, if every baby was wrapped in swaddling clothes, that wouldn't be a sign. He said, This shall be a sign to you, to the shepherds. So they would know that they were going to look at the Lamb of God that was born to take away the sins of the world. But he had to stay spotless. He had to stay without sin. Because see, if they raised the lamb, and then, and then for some along the line, it started getting, getting black spots or spots in it, then, then they couldn't use that one as a sacrificial lamb. So it had to stay spotless. So they had to take care of it. Jesus not only was born without sin, he lived without sin. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He knew no sin. He, was, he lived a life without sin. So he was the spotless lamb. A.W. Tozer said, Only the blood of Jesus can cleanse us. Yet if we withhold ourselves from that blood, we will be unclean forever. That's a scary thing. If we take away the blood, Tozer said, we will be unclean forever. Because it's only the blood that cleanses us. Hebrews 9 and 12 says, Neither by the blood of goats or calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Remember how I told you how that the priest had to enter in 256,000 over that many times into, in one day through the veil? This scripture says that Jesus entered in once. He entered in once with his blood because his was a perfect sacrifice. His was the perfect blood. And the question is, how do we know that Jesus entered in to the holies of holies? How do we know that he sprinkled his blood on, on the mercy seat? Because of this scripture, Matthew 27 and 51. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom, and the earth did quake and the rocks rent. Now some would say, well, the veil was rent whenever the earthquake happened. Now, if you read that, you realize the earthquake happened after the veil was rent. The earthquake happened to, 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 rent, to, to, to tear the rocks open. They were to cover the tombs so if those would come out because they saw them. They came out and they walked around for four days after he, he, was, he was crucified. And this was not the walking dead. These were people that were resurrected through, the, through Jesus' sacrifice and his power. So that's what the earthquake was for. The ringing of the, of the veil was when his spirit went in. The Bible says that he said, 
Father, unto thy hands I commend my spirit. And then he said, with a loud voice, so everybody could hear, he said, it is finished. And I don't believe he meant that his work on the cross was that's all he was talking about. I believe he means everything. All the sacrifices, all the law, everything was finished when he did that. Because then he, his spirit went in. He bowed his head, his spirit went into the Holy Spirit and rent the veil. Let me tell you, that veil was 40 cubits, according to the Bible, was 40 cubits high. That means it was almost 60 feet tall. Almost 60 feet tall. And it was four inches thick. Nobody could rent that. Nobody could have tore that. And it was torn from the top, from 60 feet up to the bottom. So man couldn't have done that. God did that. Jesus did that. When he carried his blood into the mercy seat. And for the last time, for the very last time, blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat, and God accepted that sacrifice for all time. Hebrews 7 and 12 says, For the priesthood be in chains, they're made it necessary to change the law. You see, Jesus was able to enter into that veil because not only was he the sacrifice, not only was he the lamb, but he was also the high priest. He was the high priest in the, after the order of Melchizedek. So he was the true high priest, and he was able to enter in. And so now that that's been done, that the high priest, Jesus himself, has gone in and, and presented his blood before the mercy seat, there was no need to do that anymore. And there was no need for the high priest. So the, said that the high priest has changed, Jesus high priest, so the, all these laws that was in, that was in, the, in the, the, the book concerning the sacrifices in the high priest, well, all that was changed. There was no need for it no more. There was no need for sacrifice. There was no need for, for, for the temple anymore. And by the way, let me say this, say this. Some people believe that the ark wasn't even there. That there's a place, as you read, read in the Old Testament, there's a place where after the kings and chronicles were no mention of the ark is anymore. It's like it disappeared. So they don't believe it was there. But there would be no reason to build the temple when Herod built, rebuilt it, there would be no reason to put a veil. There would be no reason to have sacrifices if there wasn't mercy seat there. The ark wasn't there. But yes, it was there. And Jesus took his blood into it. And he fulfilled all the prophecy. He fulfilled all the law. Through his blood, he did this. Jeremiah 31 and 31 says... Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, and I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. So I say he's going to change everything. He's going to change everything about the sacrifice. He's going to do it. So we entered into the new covenant, but he had to make the new covenant with Israel because they were still following the old covenant. He had to make the new covenant with Israel and with Judah. So let me tell you a story. When they would, on the Day of Atonement, they would get two goats, two identical male goats, firstborn. So they had to be twins because they had to be both firstborn. And they would take one, and it had to be spotless goats. And they would take one, and they would, they would sacrifice it and take its blood in through, through the veil, you know, and, 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 and sprinkle its blood on the, on the, on the land. This is for the 
for the whole nation of Israel. This is for their, their sins as a nation. And then the priest would lay his hand on the second goat, symbolic of transferring the nation's sins onto that goat. And then they would turn it out into the wilderness. This is where we get the, the term scapegoat. They would turn it out into the wilderness. And they would take a, a thread, a cord, a wool cord that they had dyed crimson, and they would tie it between its horns so that everybody would know that this is the scapegoat. So they would turn it out into the wilderness. When they built the temple in Jerusalem, and it was in the city, and it was in, you know, they now, now had believed that they were in the promised land, they built the temple, they couldn't release it out into the wilderness no more. It might wander back into somebody's flock or in their yard. You know, and you don't want the sins of the whole nation coming into your yard, you know, or be mixing with your flock. So what they would do was that second goat, the scapegoat, they would cut that cord in half. And they would tie part of the, the one half of it between the horns of the goat. And they would blindfold the goat and lead him up to a cliff outside the city. And they would take that other half of that cord and tie it to a bush or something at the edge of the cliff. And then they would push it backwards over the cliff. And then a miracle would happen. That crimson cord would turn white, showing that God had accepted their sacrifice. And this is what Isaiah was talking about in Isaiah 1 and 18 when he says, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be wool. He was referring to this when the crimson cord would turn white. Well, 40 years before the destruction of the temple, they sacrificed like they did. They took the goat out. They pushed it over the side, and the cord didn't turn. It stayed red. And they believed that God hadn't accepted their sacrifice. And they were right. God hadn't accepted their sacrifice. And they did this for 40 years. Every, every, every day of atonement, they would, they would do it again. And they would push the goat over it, and it wouldn't change. It would still stay white. So then, when Titus, the emperor of Rome, there was a rebellion in Jerusalem, brought his troops there, and he destroyed the temple, every brick by brick, just as Jesus said it would be, they believed that that was judgment because God was not accepting their sacrifices. But see, something happened 40 years before the destruction of the temple. Jesus walked through the veil and he carried his blood into the holies of holies. And he sprinkled his blood on the mercy seat and brought salvation and forgiveness for all of us forever so that it would never turn white again. And so we can't take the blood out of the Bible. The blood is the thing that holds it all together. I want y'all to sing something with you. 
Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you truly trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood? In the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb, are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Lay aside the garments that are stained with sin and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean. Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Are you washed in the blood? In the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb, are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? One more time. Are you washed in the blood? In the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb, are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Now go and tell the world about the blood. Amen. Yeah, thank y'all so much. <laughs>